Good morning. How's everyone's weekend going so far? I'm, I'm hoping pretty well. I've had a wonderful weekend at our Lutheran Youth Association convention. It's been fantastic, highlighted with power outages at Bethany College. That was interesting. But overall, it was a, it's been a wonderful weekend. There's so many things that I love about uh, this convention. And uh, just, just so many highlights, worshiping together, meeting all the young people. And that's one of the things that I love the most is getting to know something, just learning about the different young people that we have in our synod, learning their different characteristics and quirks and all these different things. And I don't have the opportunity this morning to get to know all of you necessarily, although I do know many of you. But I do want you to get a chance to know just one little thing about me. I wanted to share this morning that I am by nature a doubter. I, uh, I have a natural tendency to doubt what God says in his word, which may sound like a strange thing for a, a pastor to say. But I like sharing that partly because I remember when I first had my first season of doubt, I felt like I was the only one. And being a pastor's son, too, I was like, ah, man, I can't be having this season of doubt. And I like to share it to let you know that if you ever in that se- are in that season, you are definitely not the only one. And uh, there are people to talk to you about it. And I'm sure your pastors here would love to talk to you about it. And if you ever want to look me up and ask me about it, too, I've learned so much through him. God has taught me so much about trusting him and leaning into him and about how sometimes my questions were too small for the big answers he wanted to give me. There's so many wonderful things. And so I I share that partly as an encouragement, but also because the lesson that we have before us for our sermon message today points us to some realities about our world, about life, about living, that as those have sunk in for me, have just helped so many of those questions over the years just fall right into place. Because they point us to some truths, these words point us to some truths that help us understand what it is that we're experiencing, what we were created to live for, what we are living in each and every day, and what God has restored for us to live in, again, with him for eternity. We have a lesson today that shows us how we were created for life. And so let's dig into God's word together. We have our lesson today. It's 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Please stand. See the kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The world does not know us because it did not know him. Dear friends, we are children of God now, but what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he is revealed, we will be like him, and we will see him as he really is. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself, just as Jesus is pure. You may be seated. See the kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. I want you to think for a minute about that beautiful relationship that God created to have for there to be between a father and a child. And I encourage you to think about the beautiful relationship the way God created it because whenever we talk about this picture, I always recognize that some, some have not had the best relationship with their fathers. And if that's you, I'm sorry that's you. But please know that God designed that relationship to be beautiful and that through Christ you have that relationship with your father. So let's think about that, that design. 
that relationship of a father who loves his child and delights in his child and cares for his child and protects his child and is there to, to provide everything that child needs. That's the relationship you were created to have with your father, where you could trust him, you can know you are loved by him, and you could, can lean into him and know he would provide for you throughout life. That's what you were created to have, to have that kind of belonging. But notice something in these words we just read. It says, see the kind of love the father has given us that we should be called the children of God. Meaning it took love from him to make us his children. It's not just that he loves us as his children, but he, there's a love from the Father that, that made us to be his children. That means that, that there was something going on where we weren't his children. We were created to be children of God, but there was something going on. Naturally, we weren't the children of God. So if we weren't God's children naturally, whose children were we? And whose children are everyone or is everyone in the world? Well, scripture lays it for us that naturally we are children of the enemy, children of the devil. Which sounds a bit harsh to think about. I'm naturally a child of the devil. Nobody would like to say that. But let's just think through the story a bit. Think through the account a bit. And actually we just read about or sang about the account in our sermon hymn. And we read about it in our first lesson today. Think about how God created humanity with this incredible privilege to be created in his likeness, in his image. Not that humanity physically looked like God. Although some of you, when you look in the mirror, you maybe think, yeah, I probably look pretty close to how God looked. I'm sure none of you have that kind of conceit when you look in the mirror. Hopefully not. But we were created with the capacity to live in a way that reflected the character of God, to live in a way that looked like God in the way we love each other and interact with each other, or specifically, in Genesis there, it says in the way that we would take hold of God's creation and rule over it and have dominion over it. And God would provide, as a good father, everything humanity needed to do that. He provided that tree of life that Adam and Eve could eat from. And God said, eat from all these trees in the garden. I will provide this for you. There's just this one not to eat from, and it's an opportunity for them to trust, to trust their father. But then the serpent comes, the enemy, you see the devil come there before them. And think about how he tempted Eve. And he comes and he says, did God really say that you're not to eat from any tree in the garden? He comes in and he, he gets Eve to doubt or to question whether she can really trust her father. And then what she sees in the tree, she sees, tree, uh, she sees fruit that, is, that looks good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Now let me ask you, which of those three things is bad? Is it bad to be good for food? No. Is it bad to be pleasing to the eye? No. Is wisdom bad? No. God loves to give people wisdom. She sees things that look good, but the problem is, this is not how God wanted to give them good food. They were to receive that from their father. Adam and Eve took it for themselves their own way, rather than trusting their father. 
And when they stop trusting their father, immediately the result is that they run from him, they hide in shame and in guilt and separation from the father, and this world becomes broken. Now think about yourself. How are you naturally inclined? Are you naturally inclined to act as a child, a child of God who trusts your father? Or do you, do you have a tendency to try to do things your own way? And they may not necessarily be bad things, but you reach out and you grab the fruit your own way instead of trusting your father to provide it for you. This is what we all naturally do. We live in a world where people, this is what we naturally do. People are often seeking out and trying to do things that aren't inherently bad. People want to be loved. People want to have value. People want to have purpose. People want to enjoy life. That's great. God's way. But people seek out and try to do it their own way. And so we're all naturally in this state, not of living as a child of the Father, but as a child of of the devil, of the enemy. But see the kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. See, our Father is the kind of Father who loves us so much. He says, I don't want you to to be without me. I don't want you to be without life. I don't want you to be stuck in death. And so I'm coming up with a plan. And God the Son took on human flesh, became the man Jesus, to be everything that we were created to be but aren't. He trusted his Father every step, even to the point of dying on the cross, and he commended his hands, his spirit, into the hands of his Father. He lived the life we were meant to live, and then he died on the cross so he could take on himself Take on himself our sin. Like our second lesson said, he who knew no sin became sin for us. It died there with him and he rose again so through faith in him we could become the righteousness of God. When you're baptized into Christ, now you're connected. It's, you're baptized into his death. You're baptized into his resurrection. You are clothed with Christ. You are a child of God. You have this relationship. You now get to trust in him as your father, knowing you are loved, provided for today and for eternity. But now as a child of God, as a child of God, you now have a discomfort in this world. A sense where now, while you belong to your father, sometimes... Sometimes we feel like we don't belong in this world. And sometimes it's from a very kind of shallow reason, like some or low-key reason where or maybe you're around somebody who, who just has a different opinion than you. Like maybe if you were to come visit me in Wisconsin wearing your Vikings, you know, clothes, like you would feel like slightly out of place. Like that's, you know, that's minor out of place. But there's a deeper level of out of place that we feel as Christians. And this lesson explains it. It says the world does not know us because it did not know him. The world didn't get Jesus because Jesus didn't work like the world. Jesus trusts his father. The world doesn't trust God our father. Now if we are children of God through Jesus and now we get to trust our father, if the world didn't know him, is the world going to get us? Not so much. There's a discomfort. We can sense that we don't, we don't fit in this world. And even sometimes there's a discomfort within us because we still have that sinful nature and what we believe and what we know to be true doesn't always jive with something that we sense and feel, being someone who lives in this sinful, broken world. And that discomfort is hard. 
It can be really hard. But if you feel discomfort living in this world, the very thing that is so difficult, this discomfort, may actually be an indicator that you are right where you are meant to be. Not in this world, but in Christ. If there is a sense that you don't fit with the way the world thinks, that's actually an indicator that you're right where you're meant to be in Christ. And though we have this challenge today of being in this, this world that is, that is uncomfortable in this way, our lesson, it states, we are not yet, what we will be has not yet been revealed, but we do know that when he is revealed, we will be like him. There will be a day, and we're looking forward to the day where we leave this world and we join Jesus in paradise, but not only that, there will be a day when Jesus returns and your body's raised back and you will have a body that's like Jesus' body. It's, going to, it's, it's your body, but think about how Jesus rose from the dead. He's still him, but he's never going to die again. Apparently, he could walk through walls because he appears with the disciples with locked doors. I don't know if we're going to get to do that or not. I'd like to think so. I think that would be fun. But more than that, we're going to have a body that is not full of pain or suffering. We're going to have a body that is, that is much more like what we were intended to have in the beginning. We're going to be redeemed. We're going to be able to live the life we were created to live with God. And it's not just about us as individuals. There's something going on here in this lesson that points us to the reality that we get to be part of something and in something bigger. Our, our, the final sentence in our lesson, it says, everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. One of the things that I've come to to learn and love so much. I've just come to love Scripture just so much. And one of the things that has really made Scripture so much more just amazing for me is realizing that there are some words that inherently bring a bunch of backstory with them. That when you see these simple words, you can think about the backstory, and then it makes that verse, there's all this that comes out. And the word purifies is one of these words. Think about where in Scripture, in what context, is the concept of purification mentioned? Maybe you think about the life of Jesus, and there was talking about, there was like, say, at the wedding at Cana, and they had those, those big jars there with the water because there's purification and washings and so on. But all that's rooted in the Old Testament. And for the people of God to be able, be able to be part of the community of God, they needed to be pure. And then especially it's hyper-focused on the tabernacle and the temple, which is all about proximity to the presence of God. And then in the center of that tabernacle, you have this holy place, this most holy place, where you have the priests and there's these special rites they had to go, to, to go through because they needed to be pure, to be in this pure place. And what do you know, if you look at that most holy place, the descriptions we have is that it's, it's or was adorned to look like the Garden of Eden. You have the candles that remind you of the tree of life. The Garden of the, 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 the holy place was a reminder of the Garden of Eden, actually in a way kind of a reclaiming of the garden, or at least a step in that direction, because there you could have these priests who would go and they could work in the presence of God. Actually, their job description in the temple, the wording matches exactly what the wording was given to Adam and Eve in the garden. They were to work it and to keep it. So 
So it's a reminder, it's a little bit of a reclaiming, and then it's a pointer ahead to the fact that there would be that day when Jesus returns, not just to raise our bodies from the dead, but this broken world as we know it will come to an end. And at that point, and as Revelation describes it, we have the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation, where we will finally live, live life the way it was designed with our God. We're going to be part of that new creation. But now here's the thing in this lesson that just, just is something we need to chew on. It says, everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. That word there is in the present tense. If you are hoping for that day that Jesus returns and you're looking forward to that new creation and being in that clean space, that pure space with the Father and with Jesus and the Spirit, with all those in Christ, if you're looking forward to that day, you are being purified now. You are a place where God dwells now. I don't know about you, but that's sometimes hard for me to really embrace that because sometimes I don't feel like, like a place where God dwells. This last week, this, last, this weekend here at LYA, we've been talking about some hard topics, and I know I've not always handled them very well. Sometimes I don't feel like I've been a, a great contributor to helping move forward the cause of Christ. Sometimes I know that I've been a detriment because I just haven't said it quite right, but it goes beyond just not saying it quite right. I've come to realize my biggest challenge to being a pastor is not prepping a sermon. It's not going to meetings. My biggest challenge to being a pastor is me, my sin, my struggle. Sometimes I look around and I'm like, am I really qualified to tell other people this message when I know how much is going on in me? So how, how could we be purified now? Well, notice where this points us our hope. It says, everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. Jesus is the coming together of God and humanity. He's fully God, fully human. How does God, isn't it brilliant? How does God restore his relationship with humanity? It's by becoming a human. And it's Jesus who lived that life we were meant to live to redeem us, to restore us. He laid down his life, paid for that debt to redeem us and to restore us, to give us life. We were created for life, and he gives that to us. We are baptized into Christ, united with the one who is God and human, who brings us back together with the Father. And we're baptized in Christ. We're washed clean, and we're purified. At the late service today, we're going to have the Lord's Supper with LOA. I'm assuming you'll have Lord's Supper maybe next weekend or soon, nevertheless. And when you take that supper, you are taking the body and blood of Christ, who is both man and God. You are taking God into yourself when you take the bread and the wine, the body and the blood. And then when you stand there with your brothers and sisters in Christ and you look from left to right, you are standing there with the body of Christ. We're looking forward to that day of being in, with God and his presence and, and new creation, but as we stand here today as people who are redeemed through faith in Christ, washed clean, united by the blood and body of Christ, we are the coming together of 
heaven and earth of God and humanity. We are today filled with his spirit. As we look forward to that day, we are today empowered to love people and to, if you, read, if you keep reading in 1 John, he talks so much about loving your brothers and, and sharing this good news. We are equipped to do that. Are we, are we going to do it fully? No, we are not yet what we will be. But today, we can take hold of these truths that we were created to be children of God. No, we were not born naturally that way because of sin. But Jesus has restored us as children. We are uncomfortable in this world, but that's because we, we are created, we have been recreated for a better world. We will someday rise and be as Jesus is. And as we hope in that new creation, we are purified just as he is pure. Take hold of that life and live. Live in this hope. Live as a new creation. Live for the new creation. Because you were created for life. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, God, and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.